Hey, thanks so much for checking out Crossview Church Sermons and listening to this podcast. Every week you can expect a message that strengthens your faith and encourages you in your walk with God. You're about to hear a message from our lead pastor, Chris Dirksen. Today is the last one on humility. We've been talking a lot about humility now in, in fall. Change your life, change the world. And for this last one, I want to talk about this. Is it ever okay, biblically, is it ever okay to feel good about yourself or think good about yourself? Or does being humble mean, and again, we've talked about some of these things, we've hit them from different angles, different passages. We've talked a lot about the role of humility as a group, as Christians, as a group. What does it mean to be humble with people outside of our group? But today I want to talk about what does it mean to be humble as an individual? Does, can I ever feel good about myself without feeling guilty? Can I ever think good about myself without going, oh, maybe I'm getting too proud? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So Romans 12 will be our passage today. Romans 12, starting in verse 3. Can we ever think well of ourselves? Well, Paul says in Romans 12, and the last few chapters of Romans, Paul is giving very practical instructions to the church on unity and how to live, okay? And some people would say, actually, that these last few chapters of Romans are actually the heart of Romans, not all the theology that comes before it, and that Paul is actually using all the theology in the first 10 chapters to build up to tell them how they should live, okay? But that is a little bit disputed. But whatever the case, this is really important. This is his discipleship instructions. And he says this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Now, this is the kind of verse in the Bible that gives neurotic Christians fits. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. And I can't tell you, first of all, that how many times I've experienced in my own life But how many times over 20 years of pastoral ministry, I've had people in my office or people after service, how often Christians get neurotic about verses like this and we're constantly worried, am I proud? The moment I feel good, the moment someone gives me a compliment for something I did well and then I feel good about it, oh no, maybe I'm proud. Or I did a really good job of singing up on stage there but now it's getting to my head and maybe I'm proud. And verses like this, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, can come into our minds and we start to wonder, oh my goodness, maybe I'm getting too big for my britches. Am I proud? And that's the kind of thing we want to deal with in the rest of this passage. So we carry on, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now, sober judgment is not something we think of a lot. It's not a phrase we use a lot in today's modern English, and it certainly seems serious. Sober judgment. In other words, it almost sounds like I should think about myself and be, when I think about myself, I should be seriously judging myself. That's what sober judgment sounds like, kind of a serious judging word. When I think about myself, I should be thinking very critically of myself, okay? Truth is, though, that the Greek here, first of all, there is no Greek uh, word for judgment here. The word is actually uh, in the Greek is just soberly. We should think soberly about ourselves. And actually what it means is simply, the phrase there, sober judgment, translated in the NIV, just means with a clear mind or to have a moderate estimate of oneself. So what Paul is saying here is not what we might assume, first of all, which is 
think of myself with sober judgment. That means think of myself as in uh, I need to seriously judge myself or I need to look down on myself. All he's saying is think of yourself with a clear mind. Okay, with a clear mind. When you think of yourself, he's not saying I have to be looking at myself like a pastor with a black suit going, judging myself and looking down on myself. He's saying think of yourself with a clear mind. Now, someone who thinks of themselves with a clear mind is thinking of themselves, not just all the bad things, they're actually thinking, if you're thinking of yourself with a clear mind, you're actually also thinking of some of the things that you can do well, if you're thinking about yourself clearly, okay? So for example, you know, some of the, we had these wonderful volunteers up here, we had a wonderful time of worship, it's just amazing, and some of these people are very good at music, some of these people have wonderful uh, voices and all this sort of stuff, um, you know, someone who has a wonderful voice and then talks about themselves as if, you know, I just have a terrible voice. And it's like, that is just so annoying. Like, you clearly don't have a, uh, have a horrible voice. You actually have a wonderful voice. That's why you're up there, and I'm not. Okay? But you're not thinking of yourself clearly. That is not sober judgment. That is not thinking of yourself with a clear mind. You have no idea, or you're just looking for a compliment. Or, you know, some of those people uh, who, you know, every time they bake you something, it's like, well, sorry, I... I burned it to a crisp at the bottom, or I left it to, to, and you're like, there's nothing wrong with this at all. It tastes amazing, right? Like, you're, you're not thinking of yourself with a clear mind. That is something else. Clear mind means I can look at myself and have an honest, clear appraisal of myself. Sober judgment is not meant to be a negative thing. It's meant to be an honest, truthful thing. And each of us has strengths and weaknesses. So pretending we don't have strengths and weaknesses is simply unhealthy, which he mentions then in the next part of the passage, still in Romans 12. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Each of us, okay, has been given gifts by God. Each of us. So this whole idea that we are supposed to think of ourselves only badly, which some Christians think the only good thought I can have about myself is a bad thought because any good thought would be pride and then it would be a bad thought. It gets very confusing. But actually to think about ourselves with a clear mind is to acknowledge that we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. God has put gifts in each of us. Now, of course, there are some people who would argue with that. They would look at this and say, well, I don't have any talents. I don't have any abilities, okay? And by the way, I'm glad you brought that up because some of you actually don't, and some of us don't have a lot of talents or abilities. And you're like, I didn't expect you to say that. Well, the reason I say that is because why do we always, the moment we see the word gifts in the Bible, why do we all Im always immediately or often immediately equate gifts with talents and abilities. Is the only thing that makes you a valuable person what you're good at? When was the last time you were at a funeral and the things that everybody talked about, about the dead person, was all of their talents and abilities? Okay? When was the last time you were at a funeral and, and, and they all talked about, oh, I just miss how fast he was? Well, first of all, usually if you die in your old age, that's long gone anyway, right? Nobody, no, people don't talk about that. When was the last time you were at a funeral and they said, I just miss how, how amazing a leader he was, how good he was at making money. I, I, I miss 
how good of a, okay, now sometimes those abilities might come up. Oh, you know, that person was a great, you know, whatever, you know, cook or, or whatever. Some of that comes up, but usually it comes up in the, in the context of relationship, right? What are the things we actually miss when it comes to a funeral? I'll tell you the kind of stuff it is. We remember things that were unique about that person, right? Like, uh, uh, I'm going to miss her smile, the way her eyes crinkled up and the room lit up when, when she smiled. I'm going to miss his, like, terrible jokes, right? Aren't those the things we miss about people? I'm going to miss going for coffee. I'm going to miss what a great listener they were. I'm going to miss, sometimes it's even the bad things we miss about people. Isn't that true? I mean, sometimes it's like, you know, he was so fussy when he ate, we could never go to a nice restaurant because he had to have ketchup on everything. But I miss that. Right? When people are gone, we miss the things that make them them. By the way, what are those gifts? What if the gifts aren't just talking about talents and abilities? Now, many people do have talents and abilities. We'll get into that in just a moment. Because this certainly includes talents and abilities. And Paul's going to go on and, and say some of that. But this is not just talents and abilities. I remember being, I, I don't know, I would have been around seven or eight years old. And I bet you a lot of you here can feel with me on this. Some of you can't because some of you are actually superstars and you just can do lots of things. And the rest of you are just super average like me, okay? But I remember being seven or eight and I had a friend of mine, okay, who his parents had him into everything. So, uh, and he was actually a little bit younger than me, but he was doing like high diving off a 10 meter diving board and I could barely do the doggy paddle, okay? This guy was doing high diving off a 10 meter diving board he was playing water polo, and he was all really good at it. He could do amazing tricks. He was getting coaching on tricks on the trampoline. Okay, I couldn't even do a front flip at that age. Okay, I can barely do one now. So this guy, and I remember being seven or eight, I remember this kid was just good at everything. I remember sitting in our van one day and having this experience, this feeling of like worthlessness, of like, I'm not good at anything. And you think, that, what a dumb example. How many of you have ever felt that? Please don't make me feel totally alone here. Give me a sympathy wave at least. This feeling of like, I'm not good at anything. So what good am I? Isn't that kind of weird thinking though, when you think about it? By the way, that's a very cultural thing. To think our value is tied to how good we are at stuff. That the only kinds of gifts God gives to people are to make them good at something? Well, thank God he does make people good at stuff. But the fact of the matter is, out of 7 billion people, the vast majority of us are going to be overwhelmingly average. And if getting a gift from God means I have to be really good or the best or near the best at stuff, if that's the only people God gives gifts to, then the vast majority of us don't have many gifts. And yet Paul seems assured that God has given grace to each of us. Why? Because gifts isn't just talents and abilities. Gifts is anything you do or are that brings love and joy to other people. Now, I hope I have this. There it is. A gift from God is anything you do or are. Some of those stupid jokes you tell that you can't stop yourself from saying and that make your kids groan and that actually you think that make you not cool with your kids, but at your funeral, that will be the very thing they'll miss and they'll cry. Oh, 
I miss those terrible jokes. I miss the things that make you you. I miss the things you did that made me feel loved. A gift is anything you do or are that brings joy and love to others. And we all have different gifts according to the grace God has given to each of us. You don't have to be talented to be gifted. Praise God. Some of you could just feel good along with me just based on that. Well, let me show you this now in the rest of this Romans passage that it isn't just about abilities. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. By the way, people like to talk about the gift of service. And it is true that some people naturally tend to want to serve more than others. But let me ask you something. Is this only for people who have the gift of serving? Aren't we all called to serve? Anybody can do this. And when you do this, when you serve your spouse, when you serve someone at work, when you serve the community, you are serving, you are using the gifts God has given you. The gift of service is not something you have to be talented to do. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encourage, to encourage, then give encouragement. So some people might be more predisposed to encourage people, but we're all called to encourage. And when you do that, you have a gift from God and you've given it to someone else. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it generally, uh, diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully, okay? Some of these things are talents, but some of these are just things that we're all supposed to do. All of us have gifts of grace to give to others. Now, even when God does give us a talent, so maybe he gives to some, let's say, a leadership ability, even though all of us at some level can lead, but if he gives to some more of a talent to lead. So some of these gifts, we can talk about abilities as gifts as well. But even when God does give you a talent, guess what? He didn't give it to you so you could enjoy it for yourself. The whole reason he gave you that talent or ability was purely so that other people could enjoy that gift through you. Look what he says next. For just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So this is still all in this Romans 12 passage. So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So what Paul says is, God wants to bless his people. And by the way, he's just talking about the church here. But later on, I'm going to help you see, this applies to our community. This applies to our families. This applies to our country. Any grouping of people you can imagine is a group of people that has to live together and function together, needs people who will bless others through their gifts and abilities. So the reason you were given a, a, a good voice, so let's go back to that one, that's an easy one. So the reason you were given a good voice was so that other people could hear your good voice and enjoy themselves and experience God as they enjoy themselves. By the way, they're experiencing God even when they're enjoying you singing something that isn't a worship song, although we do want you to volunteer and help us with the worship. Did, but did you hear what I was saying there? Did you know you're not just worshiping God when you're worshiping God? Who invented music? 
God. When you use your talents and abilities to write music, to sing, whatever it is, to paint, to whatever, to build a great business that blesses people, you are doing that for God. You are using your gift so that others can enjoy it, and in that they experience the goodness and grace of God. So now I want to go back and I want to talk about something that neurotic Christians sometimes say. I'm going to hit on the music one again. Okay? Because sometimes neurotic Christians will say things like, well, because, and, and I don't mean neurotic like I'm saying they're bad. I'm saying we're probably all to some extent neurotic, and I want to help us get past the neuroticism. Okay? But I've heard Christians say things, and they're well meaning. They're like, I got to stop singing because, you know, essentially they've been complimented too much, and I'm getting too proud. Now, let me ask you something. When God gives you a nice voice so that others can enjoy your voice and you don't use your voice so that others can enjoy it, that's humility. You're not the one missing out. Everyone else misses out. When you don't use your voice, now you say, yeah, but I'm worried I'm getting proud. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But let me just tell you here right up front, pride is not a feeling and by the way, if you're going to wait till your motives are 100% pure before you try to do anything for God, you may as well just go lie down in your bed now and wait there until you die. Your motives are never going to be pure. We are so concerned sometimes with dissecting our motives, you will drive yourself crazy. Pride is not about your motives. Pride is about your actions. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself should find myself here again and just make sure I'm not missing a bunch of things. Uh, where am I? Oh, yeah. Well, I am actually in the right spot. But I have things for this. Don't worry so much about your motives. Oh, some of you, you should just be writing this down and tattooing it on your chest. Because the relief I'm about to bring you that is actually a gift from the Holy Spirit Stop worrying about your motives. You are not proud because you're good at something. Did you know that? If you're good at sports and you do well when you play sports and people cheer when they watch you play, that does not make you proud. God gave you an ability and you are using that ability and the people who are watching you get to enjoy what God has put in you so that they could enjoy it. And the people who play with you, at least if they're on your team and you're helping them win, also get to enjoy that gift and ability. You are not proud because you're good at making money. You are not proud because you're good at singing. You're not proud because you're good at building. You're not proud because of any of those things. God gave you a gift and he wants you to use it so that other people can be blessed. Also, you are not proud because it feels good to get compliments. I cannot tell you how many times, again, I've talked to people, and it's like they're actually afraid to receive a compliment because that is just a path down to hell, pastor. It's just a path straight down to hell because my head, oh, I'm going to be proud, I'm going to be... Remember that part of Romans 12, back to the same passage we've been in? If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. By the way, if encouraging people, what, when you encourage someone, 
What are they supposed to feel? Encouraged. It's not a trick question. If you encourage someone, they're supposed to feel encouraged. Not afraid. Oh, get away. <laughs> Don't send me to the bad place because you're making me proud. You're not proud because you feel good about yourself. That's not what pride is. So let's move on to the next thing. Pride is evidenced by actions. And I just put not so much. I was going to just put not by feelings and thoughts. But, I, you know, there can be some feelings and thoughts that can be a bit. But pride is evidenced by actions, not so much by feelings and thoughts. Okay, Let, let's go back here. And then I, I'm going to break this down for you just a little bit. Because we worry way too much about our thoughts. Did you know that? Can I tell you another story from my youth? And you will see how neurotic I am. Which is why I understand neurotic Christians so well. When I was 9 or 10, how many of you ever got the Focus on the Family magazines for kids? I think the guys one was called Breakaway. Did any of you get Breakaway? Or Brio was the, the one. Okay, good. Some of you know and some of you just think, wow, he's old. I got this Breakaway magazine. And I'll never forget, I can still remember where I was. Sitting on the patio, I was always pumped to get my Breakaway magazine. And one of the Breakaway magazines had this article about not using the Lord's name in vain. Okay? Now, I could get into a whole story about what taking the name, Lord's name in vain actually is, and it's not what most of us think. But nonetheless, I won't get into that. Okay? But for me, taking the Lord's name in vain was saying, oh my God. Okay? I didn't just do that. So I'm reading this breakaway article, and it says, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Now, here's the thing about when someone tells you not to do something. What is the first thing that's going to happen in your brain? Okay, like, let me just ask you right now. Okay, for, so for example, don't think about black cats. I don't want any of you to think about black cats. Would you stop thinking about black cats? Okay? Black cats, black cats, black cats. So here am I, 9 or 10 years old with a predisposition towards neurotic Christianity as it is. And I read in this article, don't take the name's, Lord's name in vain, and the first thing that comes into, the first phrase that comes into my mind is, oh my. And I'm like, God! I still remember being on the patio, and I'm like, I thought it. Now, just like that black cat thing, when you try not to think something, what are you going to do? Oh, you're going to think it. Trust me. When you are afraid of thinking a thought, you will think it. I spent the next few weeks, I don't know how long it was, but it was a long time for me at that age. And every morning I would wake up, I got, I got all caught up in anxiety. Here I am, this kid, and I can't tell anyone about it. I, what do I do? Go to my parents and tell them. I'm thinking, oh my, in my head. And so I would try not to think it from when I was get up in the morning till at night and I would think it over and over and over again. And I thought for sure I was going to hell, okay? Now, of course, I look back on that now and I go, that is messed up, okay? But I was genuinely, I, could, I have clear memories of this. I was genuinely petrified. I am in deep trouble because I am thinking the Lord's name in vain. Now, I'll never forget, you said, how do you ever get relief about, from that? Oh, it's a ton of drugs, right? No, no, not. 
wasn't. But not that it would have been bad if that would have worked. Great. I should not have gone there. <laughs> Delete the last 10 seconds. <laughs> Stop. I have nothing against that. But that's not how I got. I'll, I'll never forget this thought came into my mind. And I remember where I was for that one too because this was so serious to me. I remember being in an upstairs hallway of our home one day when the thought that set me free from taking the Lord's name in vain in my mind, this thought came to me, I'm not guilty for something I can't help. Now, by the way, I now look back on that and say, I think that was the Spirit of God. It sounded a lot like my thoughts, but I'm pretty sure looking back, that was the Spirit of God breaking through. Now, the next question is, well, why on earth did he not break through weeks earlier? I'd like to ask him that too. I don't have an answer yet. But in the meantime, all I know is somehow the Spirit of God broke through. And I'm like, I'm not guilty for something I can't help. The next few days, I felt like I was frolicking on rainbows and sunshine and lollipops. I would check in throughout the day at school. And I'd be like, am I thinking about the Lord's name in vain? And then I would think it, but it wouldn't worry me. And I was free. You say, what on earth does that have to do with Romans 12? It's a bit of a convoluted path. But here's the point. Pride is evidenced by actions, not feelings and thoughts. Let me tell you something. We talked about this a bit in the anger series too. Your feelings are, for the most part, you, there are certain things you can do and to generally kind of control and be happier or less, more peaceful or whatever. There are things, but ultimately, a feeling is something outside of your control. Something happens, chemicals are released, and you feel something. To feel something isn't a sin. To feel good about yourself when you do something good isn't a sin. That's not pride. To think good thoughts about yourself is not pride. Okay? When Paul says, do not think of yourself more highly than you, this is just a turn of phrase. It's another way. He's not the, the emphasis is not on the thinking. The emphasis is on the acting. Don't act like you're better than everybody else. Because pride is evidenced by actions, not by feelings. So what are some of the actions of pride? Okay, let's just talk about some actions. I think we as Christians need to spend way less time. I don't, I, it's, not that there's a bad, it's not that it's bad. There's a place to look inward and say, okay, what's going on inside of me? And work through things. There's a place for that, but way too many of us spend way too much time inside here, and that will mess you up. You can make yourself feel guilty for all kinds of things. Pride is not feeling good about yourself. You want to know what pride is? Here's an action. Using power, anger, and or force to get my way. In marriage, with your kids, at school, at work, in politics, on an international level, whenever I use relational force, anger, violence, whatever it is to get my way, that's pride. Thinking, oh, I did a good job and someone said something nice to me is not pride. In fact, that's healthy. Number two, actions of pride. Ignoring the needs, desires, and perspectives of others. That's pride. Pride is, I'm going to get my needs met regardless of whether you get your needs met. I'm going to get my desires met 
regardless of what that does to you or whether your desires are getting met. You do that in marriage, with your kids, in your relationships, at work, on a national level, on an international level. That's pride. I'm going to get my needs met, and I don't care about your needs getting met. That's pride. It's not a feeling of, oh, I feel good about how God has made me. That's actually a healthy thing. Here's a third action of pride. So strongly assuming I'm right that I can't listen to, enter into, or learn from another person's perspective. I am so, I am so confident I'm right in our marriage that what he says or she says don't need to enter into it. They're wrong. I am so confident that my view on this idea we have at work is right that I don't need to listen to the other person. That's pride. So strongly assuming I'm right that I can't even listen to, enter into, or learn from another person's perspective. That's pride. Not feeling like I'm a worthwhile person. Feeling like I'm a worthwhile person who isn't actually all bad. That's actually good. That's actually healthy because you are made in God's image and God loves you and you aren't a piece of trash. You shouldn't feel like you're a piece of trash. Pride is not a feeling, it is an action. So what are actions of humility? We've talked about some of these in this series. Rather than using power, anger, and force to get my way no matter what, humility says negotiation, compromise, conversation. I want win-wins. In my marriage, I want win-wins. Like, a humble person, a proud person is just like, you know, she finally gave in, and I can go on a fishing trip every single week of summer and leave her with the six kids. She said yes after I broke her down. So, that's pride. Humility is, I don't just want to win, I want him to win, or her to win, or them to win. That's actually humility, because it's not just about me. At the marriage level, at the workplace level, at the national level, at the international level, this is humility. I want everyone to win. It doesn't always work as easily as that, but that's what I want. And I'm going to talk and listen until we've tried to get that. That's humility. Pride says, I'm going to ignore the needs, desires, and perspectives of others. Here's humility in action. It's not a feeling. I have to get up in the morning and go, oh, I wonder if I'm proud. Look at your actions. Seek to meet the needs and desires of others, not just their own. That's what humble people do. Humble people say, it's not just about me. It actually isn't just about me. It actually isn't just about me in the marriage. It's not just about me in the business partnership. It's not just about me in politics. It's not just about me on the air. We seek to meet the needs and desires of others, by the way, including people who don't agree with us. Including the spouse who doesn't agree with us on how we should do this or that. But I want to make sure they have their needs met. Lastly, a proud person so strongly assumes I'm right that I can't listen to, enter into, or learn from another person's perspective. The humble person has a desire to enter into the perspectives and experiences of others to learn from them and love them. 
By the way, humble people, some people are actually this in some relationships and this in other relationships. You can be proud in some relationships. He said it's not black and white. It's not like the person's proud or they're humble. No, no, you can be proud in some relationships and humble in other relationships. You can be humble. Oh, yeah, I can listen to the perspectives and experience of others who I like, but I can't enter into the perspectives and experiences of others if I don't like them or if I don't agree with them. A humble person believes to the core of their being, I can learn something from anyone on planet Earth because they are a human being. Pride says, there's a whole bunch of people on planet Earth I can't learn from. Humility says, it doesn't matter how far off this person is. I can learn something from getting into anybody's shoes and experience a bit of life with them. Now, I want to finish the message with this. Paul is applying in this passage this one body. One body belongs to all the others. He's applying this just to the church. That's what this passage is about. He's not thinking, he's thinking within the church we do this. But here's a really big challenge. What if we viewed our workplaces, communities, and country as a body too? We live in a community. We actually have to get along with people. We have to make the things work. We have to be a part of a community with people we don't agree with. We have to be a part of a community with people we don't know. What if we viewed ourselves as God has put gifts in each of us for the blessings, not just the people here at church, but for the blessing of this community, of your workplace, of our country. What if we took the gifts from God and didn't just do this in the church? We need to do this. This is what the Bible says, do this in the church. But the Bible doesn't say don't do it in the community. We should take this outside of the church too. I want you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes. God wants us to take his grace gifts. For some, it's talents and abilities. For others, it's just a smile. It's a hospitable spirit. It's a crazy sense of humor. He wants you to take his grace gifts outside of Crossview, not just inside of Crossview. He wants you to take those things outside of Crossview and he wants you to bless others by serving and encouraging and showing people the love of Jesus through humility. Father in heaven, by your Holy Spirit, help us to become truly humble people. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast today and being part of what God is doing here at Crossview. A special thanks to those that are giving generously to this ministry. It's because of you this ministry is possible. If you enjoyed the sermon, why don't you subscribe to the platform you're listening to right now and let us know that you're listening by sharing and tagging us on social media. If you want to learn more about this ministry in our church, you can visit us at crossviewchurch.ca.